Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So what are the differences and the changes that you are making as a result of your segmentation? If we were having a one-to-one now, that's what I would be asking you. So that, that was where my students' project started. They said, what can you do? Like, well, how can we keep them? He and I talked it out. It was very clear within just the first couple of minutes of this conversation that that segment that they had defined provided him with no insight at all as to why they liked cable TV in the first place, why they were leaving, what they liked, what, you know, what was, what were driving their preferences. You mean shippers or senders? <laughs> yeah, well, whichever way, we're just going to ignore our customers and not talk to them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So, Ryan, you're in Atlanta, right? I am in Atlanta. Can you do me a favor, mate? Can sure. You, can you go round to UPS and pick up a parcel for me? That means the parcel is mine at that point. <laughs> it's not worth very much, mate. It would probably be easier for me to walk from England to Atlanta and get the parcel rather than get UPS deliver it at the moment because I've been having a few problems with them. And there's a bit about what the show's about today, okay? But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use this as a as a moaning session. <laughs> but have you never know? I'm not gonna use this as a moaning session. But <laughs> they do a really incredible job of not talking to customers. Mm. And I do a really every time I've I've sent this package from England to the States. And the long and short of it is it had, it was meant to be international priority. It's now 10 days since it was meant to be delivered. It was meant to take two days. I paid for two days and it hasn't turned up. And it's been a litany of problems. But the biggest issue for me that I find annoying is they have done an incredibly good job at not wanting to communicate. And I'm going to say the word communicate because that doesn't, that means that it's also not just, it's not that I just want to phone them, but I just can't communicate with them. Yeah. And they've done a, an incredibly good job at cutting down all the points where you would not typically go, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll send them an email, I'll go on chat, I'll do this, I'll do that. And you can't do it, basically. It's just a nightmare. So you, you packaged something up in England. I assume it was something very English, like a bag of tea and some crumpets or something. It was, uh, yes, it was. It was, yeah, and some jam and some scones yeah. and stuff like that. It was like a Ziploc bag full of hot tea <laughs> and some, some crumpets, whatever those are. It was leaking out the bottom. Whether that's the problem, right. I'm not sure. Right, some, some like crystallized colonialism or something. I don't know, whatever it is that, that people in England should. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's nothing more frustrating <laughs> not being able to to tell someone when there's a problem. yes feel very lucky. yes i think it's probably confounded by the the fact that i am a naive shipper yeah so 
at the very beginning of this whole process, they said, so I've, I've basically gone online and I've gone, I want a package. Uh, a friend of mine uh, went and picked up some stuff. He, he sent it over to me. So I went online and I put all the details in, pick it up from Dave's house, deliver it to my house in America. One of the things they said to me was, um, are you the shipper, the receiver or the sender? And I went, hmm, I don't know, actually. So I'm the, I guess I'm the shipper, but I'm also, I'm the one that's sending it, but I'm not sending it because it's sort of coming from the, my mate Dave, okay? Mm. So he's like technically the sender, I guess. I mean, in, in UPS's defense, I'm not sure they were anticipating this level of philosophical inquiry. <laughs> what is the meaning of shipping? Yes. I think Nietzsche said it best when it Yes. This. Yes. No, but no, obviously it's the it's the responsibility of the company to make this stuff clear to you it shouldn't be your job well see so that so that rather than this show just be me moaning about my ups package let, let's turn it on to what we're going to talk about which is a bit about segmentation okay okay and we actually got a pickle okay from oh, vj patel okay so thank you very much vj for your pickle and his pickle was his pickle basically said was, we're not getting the sales we need. And I secretly wonder whether we're focused on the right segments. Mm. How do I ensure my segmentation is correct? So that's his pickle. And for those of you that don't know, pickle is a business problem that VJ has written into us about. And if you want to write in what your pickle is, then feel free to do so. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle and send us your problem. And uh, Ryan and I will pontificate about it. Be happy to weigh in. The first thing I'll, I'll cue in on there is, I think he said he secretly wonders. I, I'd say, BJ, go ahead and wonder that out loud. Like, raise, <laughs> raise that question in meetings. I think that is always a good question. Anytime... Yes. Uh, you're struggling with your marketing. Honestly, even when the, when things are going well, that is yes. always a good question to ask. It's a very good question. And the reason, just before anybody's going, well, why in the bloody hell did Colin start talking about UPS, is because I think part of it is down to a bit of segmentation, which is going, they are assuming that I know what I'm doing. Mm. Mm. And I may be in a small segment, I don't know, but... I don't necessarily send a lot. Well, I don't send a lot of packages personally. The team do, but I don't send many packages. And consequently, I'm in this sort of naive shipper, and I don't even know if I am a shipper, but going, well, have I done the right documents and have, have this happened? And maybe actually that they need to recognize the fact that I'm a naive shipper and help me a little bit more than in fact I tell you one one of the best segmentations I think is around is have you ever gone into um well you must I think they have it at uh, Hartsfield in Atlanta where they go you're going into the airport and they uh, through security and they say are you a leisure traveler or a business traveler yeah, uh, they don't have it at, uh, at the Atlanta airport that I'm aware of, but I'm, I'm right. aware that they do that. Are you an experienced traveler or yes. do you need a little bit more time? Um, yes. like I've, I've traveled both 
for business as a fairly experienced traveler, not like Colin is experienced in air travel where they'll just let him pilot the plane sometimes if they Correct. need Correct. But I'm an experienced traveler. I have also traveled through the, the airport with a bunch of kids, like too many yes. kids. And, and that kind of segmentation approach to security, I think, has been super helpful. Because if, you, if you're traveling with a bunch of kids or with other people who are not experienced, you don't want that pressure of everybody being frustrated at, at you, right? So it's, yeah. that's a great example of segmentation. And this is a brilliant way of getting on to talk about this subject, actually. Blimey, you know what? People will think we've got a plan, but you know we yeah. haven't, but there you go. I'm not sure we're fooling anyone, Colin, actually. And this, I'm going to throw this over, over to you in a minute, but this is about stereotypes, okay? So let me just build on that for a moment because obviously stereotypes are, I guess, to a certain extent, a form of segmentation. So here's the issue. Have you ever seen that George Clooney film where he goes around the country sacking people? Yes. Up in the air? Is that the name of it? Something like that, yeah. Okay. And one of the things he does there, which, which I do, and I'm sure loads of seasoned travellers do, is they look, if they haven't got those lines, they look at which line to draw. And I will look at the person and I will go, do they look like they know what they're doing? Have they already got the things out of their bag? Or are they just idly chatting with their partner? And then when the person turns around to them and says, oh, you need to get your iPad out of the bag, and they go, oh, do I need to get my iPad out of the bag? And you think to yourself, for goodness sake, just get on with it. And that is stereotypes, which I guess is the first part of this segmentation. So so maybe I'll ask you to comment on that. But again, so this is just around VJ's pickle, which is how does he know that the segmentation is right? And it did make me think that there are a few key questions that people should ask themselves to define whether they've got the right segmentation. And I guess we'll come to that. But do you want to talk to us a bit about stereotypes and stuff like that first? We'll come back around to stereotypes. I want to hear your questions first. I think that that all, because my my discussion about stereotypes is a warning right. about when we've okay. done our segmentation wrong. And it's a really, really common thing. So I let's, right, okay. I'm, I'm erasing any illusion that we had a plan, Colin, right. by, okay. by redirecting you in this direction. But, uh, so, uh, so tell me about your your thoughts on on the questions people should be asking. Yeah, so when I started thinking about this, I started thinking to myself, why do we have, you know, it's a bit like, what's a shipper, okay? I was thinking, why do we have segmentation? And clearly you have segmentation to better understand your customer. Yes. I'm going to add one small caveat. Here you go. You should be doing segmentation because you want to understand your customer better. Yes. There are yes. lots so of businesses that do segmentation and don't meet that, which is why it's a good question to ask. Go ahead. Yes. No, absolutely. So I totally agree with that. And most segmentations, in my view, and those of you that have been listening for, do you know we've been going for nearly five years now? Or in fact, five years by the time this one comes out, we've been going for five years. So most people will, that have been listening for that long, what haven't you got anything better to do with your life? <laughs> 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 uh, no, I shouldn't say that about our dear listeners, sure. But we'll know that most segmentation in, in both of our views is wrong. But if, if you take a step back and you say, why do you segment? You segment to better understand your customer, okay? Why do you want to therefore better understand your customer? 
where you want to ultimately, you want to sell them more by positioning the product or service or, or the message or whatever it is that you're doing to influence them more, okay? And to get them ultimately in a business to get them to buy more really. So it made me then come to the question, which is what is it that you are doing as a result of that? So what are the differences and the changes that you are making, yeah, as a result of your segmentation? So VJ, if I was, if you were, you, you were, if we were having a one-to-one now, that's what I would be asking you. So A, how many segments have you got? And B, what are the differences that you're making because of those segmentations? Because that would start to prove to me that you've done it for those reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if I were to recommend a question that BJ could ask himself, if he's not sure if his segmentation is working, it would it would be a different question, but it's very, very related to the idea that you're, which is, does your segmentation tell you why one group of customers is buying from you and another is not, right? So your segmentation should give you insights around the behaviors that you care about. Yeah. And therefore should be able to lead to specific strategic decisions that you can make, right? Your, your segmentation should be informing what you're doing, just as you said. The part that I would add to it is the reason that it should is because your segmentation, if done right, should provide you with those insights about how people differ in terms of their preferences. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and that actually leads me on to another question that I, I wrote down that I thought was a good one. But it must be good because I've written it down. So right. it must, oh, it's right. always got to be. So this is another segmentation example where Colin thinks his <laughs> questions are brilliant a priori. And I'm in a different segment entirely. Where you I think, think they're just stupendous, don't you? I, so. <laughs> the question was for me is, what data are you using to form your segmentations. Excellent. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that question. Yeah. Yeah. So I told you it was stupendous, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> that was accidentally a really good question. <laughs> it was. Most segmentations that, that I come across are still so basic, it's untrue. We have big customers, we have small customers, we have medium-sized customers, or, well, we've got customers in healthcare We've got customers in insurance. We've got customers in construction. And you think- I call that accurate, but unhelpful. Yeah. So if you start to then start to think about the whole behavioral stuff, then are you building your segmentation around understanding why customers are truly doing things? Where are you getting that data from? And then go back to your question, which is, you know, well, what's the insight that you're gaining from that? It, it is really common for, well, it's really common for firms to just not bother to segment. <laughs> That's really common. The second most common thing is for firms to segment based on data that's easy to get. So I had a student do an internship for a, a cable company uh, years ago. They were very legitimately concerned with people leaving quitting their company. So they segmented and the way they did it is they segmented based on their database. So they had all this information about their customers. It was great. 
all the demographic information, usage information. And so they, they segmented out and they, they identified the segment and they said, these are people who historically are likely to leave us and who are very lucrative for us. So that, that was where my students' project started. They said, what can you do? Like, well, how can we keep them? He and I talked it out. And it was very clear within just the first couple of minutes of this conversation that that segment that they had defined provided him with no insight at all as to why they liked cable TV in the first place, why they were leaving, what they liked, what, you know, what was, what were driving their preferences. They'd use the data that was available to them, the easy data, but that data did not contain information that would allow them to get the insights that they needed to create the blah, blah, blah. That doesn't surprise me with cable companies no, either. I, I think it's very common. Yeah. But the other interesting thing you said there was it's their database. And in my experiences, most organizations' databases, again, are poor. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason I like the example is because cable companies' databases are actually pretty rich, but it's not necessarily rich with the information that is necessary to answer those questions. If you have an even worse database than a cable company, then the outcome is going to be even worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. And again, in my experience, a lot of databases are very poor because they it, it's the classic stuff of they've not been designed with the right things in mind so if you if you were to and, and again you know one of one of my other questions is have you included emotions in the building of your segmentation or what emotions are included in that now most organizations will again turn around and go no we haven't basically so they haven't even thought about that aspect of things, which is, again, it becomes scary. And they haven't even thought about the the other question I would be asking, which is, have you looked at the customer's behavior? So we know, and we've talked long and hard about, you know, there's a difference between what people say and what they do. So does the data that you're going to use to segment upon, is it based upon what customers are saying? Is it actually, and even worse than that, is people's opinions of what customers are saying yeah within the organization or the other aspect is no if they've they've bought in other data from outside that looks at customer behavior which is clearly a much better way of doing it as well looking at what the customer's doing rather than what they're saying they're doing yeah there's also uh, what statisticians would call as a selection bias if you were using your just your own database to segment then you are segmenting your own previous customers. That means that there may be vast opportunities out there for people who are not currently buying from you that you're just blind to because they're not going to be in your database. I tell you what, that that is just so prevalent everywhere. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I find it amazing that when we go in and do research with clients and we talk to them about, well, we can do this and find out what drives value. And by the way, you should also be using this with the customers that have gone. Yeah. So let's have those as a different segment to look at. But also there's this vast sway of customers that have never, ever dealt with you. So that's a completely other segment. Everyone wants to look at what their existing customers are doing rather than the opportunities of this is where why customers have gone. And this is organizations or companies that have never or customers that have never, ever dealt with them in in the first bloody place. So it's just massive opportunities. 
Yeah, I mean, it, and to be clear, we're not arguing against getting insights about your current customers, right? You can sure. improve the but customer it's part of the picture, isn't it? All that. But yeah, like if, if you're doing a segmentation study, part of that has to include people who are not your customers if you, if you want to really get the most out of it. Ryan, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? Uh, I saw an old Vincent Price movie called House of the Long Shadows when I was a kid, and it kept me awake for days. And if you want to be kept awake for days, the one that scared me the most was the Intuitive Customer podcast that's now available on YouTube. It's really scary. I I want to change my answer. That's actually the scariest thing I've seen too. (laughs) Absolutely. So if you are interested in getting scared and watching Ryan and I attempt to do a podcast on YouTube, then just search for the Intuitive Customer podcast on YouTube and subscribe, won't you? We look forward to seeing you there. So I guess going back to VJ and his question, are you focused on the right segments and thinking about this from a question perspective? A, a question is, is, well, where have you got your data from to form that segmentation? B, it is a sub part of that is, yeah, it's okay if you've got customer data, that's fine. But have you also got previous customer data? And have you also got potential customer data in other words and again i would have thought with most products other than maybe coca-cola or something like that so i'm thinking about the potential marketplace the it was the 80 20 rule that was coming to my mind is going well probably 80 percent of the market that people have never dealt with before anyway that's a separate issue that adds to the questions doesn't it yeah absolutely so are you including the right people in your segmentation. In other words, not just current customers, but also previous customers, also potential future customers. And then are you including the right data or questions in your database that you're using to segment? Like, are you are you just looking at a few opinions or are you just looking at past purchase behavior? Or are you actually getting data in there that can answer the question, what will pe- make these people buy more? Or why aren't these people buying more? Or why are they choosing A versus B? Unless you've got that kind of data in there, it's not great data for segmenting. So let's take a step back here then, because maybe I'm going to answer my own question. Because I guess the danger is, and I'm going back to this sort of stereotypes at the moment. Yeah. Because the danger is, is that, and maybe this is what organizations are doing, isn't it? Is they are layering on what they think customers should be are or are and therefore they're coming up with their own stereotypes rather than you the data being used to define define the stereotypes maybe it's the wrong way of describing it but you get what i'm where i'm coming from yeah so this is this is a pretty simple idea but it is one of the most difficult for me to get my mba students to change their thinking on because it's it's not intuitive. So when we segment out, the most natural thing for us to focus on is the easily measured stuff like demographics, right? So if we want to segment on a market, we need to know like how many men and women, we need to know like income levels and geography. And, and I really have to push back on my students over and over again because the demographic information alone, it can be useful, we can include it, 
But demographic information alone almost always does not correlate well with preferences. There are very, very few things that are correlated very strongly with demographics in terms of customer preferences. And so if we start with this bad data, I don't even want to call it bad data, incomplete data. If we start with focusing on demographics, then we end up with segments that are defined demographically. And then we need to back our way into, well, what is this segment probably like? And the only way to do that is stereotyping. And it's it's like not great from like an ethical standpoint. It's also terrible from a marketing standpoint. So you've got a segment here of like, well, our target segment is young men aged 18 to 24 from upper middle income households. And then you have to get to the question of, all right, well, what do those young men want? And the only way to go, the only way to get there is stereotyping, right? Now it's like, well, what's my stereotype of a young man aged 18 to 24 from an upper middle and then, and then you create some offering based off of that stereotype. And it's just sloppy. It's just, it's not good marketing. Tell the audience the difference then between it was psychographics. Where would you fit psychographics into all of this? So psychographics is a type of data that can go into the database that can be used for segmentation. So psychographics is based off of the word demographics of Demographics describes a lot of our physical characteristics, age, race, ethnicity, uh, gender, all that kind of stuff. Psychographics is where we're going to get at your psychology demographics, kind of. And so it's not it's not a super well-defined term. You'll find different people using it in different ways. But some of the ways I've seen it used are things like, like a risk preference might be a psychographic characteristic. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert might be a psychographic characteristic. Things like that, where it's describing now your your mind. And, and in general, I would say that those tend to be a little bit closer to like the actual preferences that we want to get. And they can be very useful to include in segmentation. In my opinion, though, it's still you can still do even better than that. So I think that we really want to get to what's driving people's decisions in this category. That's the most valuable information to have when segmenting. And then we can layer on top of that lots of psychographic and demographic information to give us a, a richer profile. Some basic things here, and I'm just thinking of the, from the audience perspective, because some of them may be basic shippers out there listening to this, uh, i.e. shippers, somebody that's naive. Shipper, like, do you mean shippers or senders? <laughs> Yeah, well, whichever way, we're just going to ignore our customers and not talk to them anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But so I believe you and I are at one with, you know, you should, when the number of segments you should have should actually be a fairly small number, i.e. between so like five and eight. I I mean, I'll go even further than that. From a marketing standpoint, the best number of segments to target is one, right? So if, if you have one target segment... That means you can focus all of your effort in creating something that is ideal for that one group. I understand that practically speaking, that is often not practical. But I would even argue, even if you think you've got one, you haven't got one. You've got loads underneath that. I mean, you're always welcome to sell for other people. Like you're, you'll, you'll take their money. But you know, the, the best situation from positioning and offering would be for one particular offering to have a very well clearly defined 
target segment and say, we're going to make this the best possible thing for this one group of people. Again, it's not practical. But surely even within that, you would have, let's just debate that for a moment. Yeah. Because within that, you would have new customers, somebody that's only just joined. You would have customers that, I don't know where they are in in the life cycle, but customers that are, I don't know, annoyed in some way or whatever else, upset customers, you would have. Now, whether I guess it is whether you are maximizing the sales to them is a different kettle of fish, doesn't it? Even saying that's a challenge. So the basic idea of segmentation is that people are different and they want different things. And so the best way to to meet somebody in terms of what they want is to treat them as a segment of one, right? We can get into this topic of micro-targeting and so on. So yeah, anytime we segment and group people together, we are glossing over some of those differences. So yeah, yes. you're right. Within that segment, yeah. there will be differences, right? And you, you just, let's, let me pick you up on a couple of Please. words that you use there, which I think are important, micro-targeting. Because yeah. clearly with AI and everything else, and that's where Facebook comes in and uh, all the, uh, the main technology platforms, you can start to get into that much more detailed targeting micro uh, of w- exactly what the customer is doing and saying and everything else. And that's where some of the psychographics come in as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, no, I'll, you can I'll issue that. the same warning for micro-targeting approaches as I will for segmentation approaches that we've already talked about which is if the data that feeds your AI model yeah. is based on data that's not very closely related to preference and value, then you could end up in a place where you are micro-targeting in a way that's not very effective. Because sure. it's not, now, now I will say if good AI models are, are good at finding the hidden connections between seemingly unrelated variables. So sure. you know, it's a, it can be a very powerful approach. But still, at the end of the day, like you, if you're micro-targeting, you're you're giving an individualized message to somebody. If you don't, if you or your model don't have a good sense of what that individual actually cares about, and instead you're focused on the fact that, like, oh well, you know, I'm going to micro-target to this person because they are also a white male mid forties professor, and so I've got this other database of people who are demographically similar then you're running into the same potential issues. But yes, there, there is promise there. Which is where, for me, behavioral segmentation is the right approach. Yeah. So looking at customers' behavior, irrelevant of how old they are. Yes, exactly. The, the geography and everything else, because those things don't matter as long as the behaviors are the same. Exactly. So if I was marketing a technology-oriented product, it would be far, far more useful for me to know that you are an Apple fanatic than to know your age and your gender and your income. Because I could create a segment, I could create an offering that might appeal to people who love Apple because I can infer kind of why they love Apple and what the things are. And I could create an offering that would appeal to them as opposed to creating an offering that would appeal to people within a certain age range. Yeah, no, absolutely. Any last piece of advices for, for VJ? So he's secretly wondering, just going back to his question, are we not getting the sales we need? We're secretly I'm secretly wondering if we've got the right segments. How do I ensure my segmentation is correct? So for me, I think 
I would go back and just answer some of the questions, VJ, that we've posed to you, mate, and see if you you can answer those. And if you're not, then potentially your segmentation is incorrect. Probably the biggest one for me is just what data are you using to, to create it? Because by definition, if you haven't, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So if you've got the wrong data and you haven't even thought about some of the data that we've talked about, then by definition, your segmentation's wrong and will undoubtedly be contributing to not getting the sales that you need. What's your view? Same view. I'll, I'll say the same thing using different words. If your segmentation is not producing insights about what people want, what their preferences are, how they make decisions, then your segmentation is not going to help you. So it, it needs to get down to that, what I call value-based segmentation, where it's we're segmenting based on what people value, based on what they want and what, what drives their preferences and their decisions, because that's where the insights are. Great. So VJ, hope that helps you, mate. And I hope you get your segmentation running correctly. We look forward to talking to everybody next week on the show. And with a bit of luck, my UPS package would have been delivered. You never know your luck. If not, I'm walking to Atlanta to pick it up. Well, I'll see you here then. <laughs> Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>